Hello and welcome to the Core Perform Corner, where registered dietitians and personal trainers teach you how to optimize your gut health, hormones, and fitness. Our team has utilized the trademark and evidence-based Core Perform protocol to transform over 500 lives mentally and physically. Here at Core Perform, we have three core values that are family, communication, and care. So if you are ready, subscribe to join our family, communicate with us through our Facebook group to ask questions, and we'll take care of the rest. Please remember this episode should not be used as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. And now, let's get on to this week's question. Back to the Core Form Corner, where we answer all your questions live every single week that you submit via the Facebook group. We are excited this week to dive into some questions, but before we do, um, I just wanted to give a few updates on our end. So um, maybe we can even all go around in a corner and kind of give a little spiel of what's new in our lives. But um, on my end, I started flaring from, I have celiac, so if you guys didn't know. So I started flaring like on Saturdays, hoping to get better, but I'm going on a mandated bachelorette party. And I'm so sorry to my cousin if she's listening to this because it's her bachelorette party. <laughs> that I'm being forced into but it'll be fun but I'm flaring and at the same time I am being expected to be in the Bahamas on a boat all day and oh, I am gosh. Like, this is like <laughs> aggressive yeah this is an aggressive like forcing here but anyways so that's happening um on the Corpiform protein side as you guys know Corpiform protein is the only protein on the market that has the amino acid ratio needed to elicit the same muscle building effects as whey without the digestive distress. We are doing great. Um, had a little low on sales this week, probably just because everyone's loving it. I feel like last week we had we had 30, one in three people basically reordered the protein ASAP. Wow. Yeah, which is crazy. It means that everyone's loving it. Obviously, yeah. we created a full recipe book on it. And if you guys want access to that, just feel free to reach out to any of us on any of the channels and just ask for it. But it's been awesome. Courtney, I know you, I sent it to you and you got a chance to try it last week, right? Mm -hmm. I literally, within reaching distance, I have my <laughs> now. I'm not going to do that because it's really annoying and crunchy. But after this, I will be eating more of it. So, yeah. I it's love that idea. I need to get that idea. So one of the fa my favorite things about the protein, and I'm not going to talk too much about it, I promise, but like the fact that it is kid friendly and that I can feed it to kids like that, for example, the puppy chow, the fact that I can give that to my nephew and my nieces and they can eat it without having a sugar rush and then crash and then have a tantrum. Like, I'm just so blessed. Like, That's I'm like, awesome. thank God, right? When I visit them, I'm always like, let's have a protein snack. <laughs> yes. Um, so that's great. But anyways, let's dive in. I don't have much else. Do you guys have much else? What's going on with you guys? <clears throat> Nothing really? to report on my end right now. Big things for you. I'm taking my time. <laughs> Fair. We'll, Fair. We'll talk about it when the time is right. Fair. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Nothing super exciting. I mean, I went um, rock climbing outdoors for the first time, and I think I have a new addiction. So nice. That feels like <laughs> you too. Yeah. It was. It was. Oh my god! It was so fun. We were in Sedona, um, and we were in Red Rocks, and then Joshua Tree, where we did some climbing, and it was really fun. 
really pretty. Really cool. And really dangerous. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> something that I would not want to do, but I'm so glad that you are loving it. <laughs> Alrighty. So with that said, uh, Courtney, what are some things that I can have if I'm having really bad heartburn? I also read sometimes that reflux is a sign of low stomach acid, but do I really have high stomach acid? Why is that? So a couple things could be going on there. Um, we get a lot of individuals that do come to us that have um, acidic reflux, heartburn, GERD, um, and usually more oftentimes than not, if they go to a doctor for that, they'll put them on a PPI um, because they're assuming that they have high stomach acid because of the burning and the reflux that you're feeling. The problem with that, though, is one, it's not addressing the potential root cause of the high, of the high or low stomach acid. The second thing is long-term PPI use can be detrimental for your gut health, for nutrient absorption. Not a fun time. We've weaned a lot of people off of omeprazole, so yay. But yeah. first thing, yeah, address what may be going on. So dysbiosis, specifically something like an H. pylori infection, is really, really commonly associated with GERD and reflux and heartburn. So people might think they just have too high stomach acid when in reality, they have an H. pylori infection that could be treated in like six to eight weeks. Mm -hmm. um, for the symptoms, obviously you don't wanna be in pain the whole time and having reflux. There's a few different alternative therapies that I've used with some of my clients. Everyone's different. You have to play around with a couple things. First things first is avoiding triggers. So things like alcohol, really spicy foods, really fatty, high processed foods, um, doing little things like making sure that you're seated upright and you're not laying down really flat after meals, um, avoiding certain herbs that might be um, triggering a response as well. And then to suppress and soothe your like potential reflux stomach acid issues, we, use, um, we usually try using something called DGL, which is deglycerinated licorice root. This is probably the most effective treatment that we've usually used. And it's literally a chewable that you can do before your meals. Um, they have like a cinnamon one that I really like to recommend. My clients really like that one. Um, and what it does is this deglycerinated licorice root helps your gut secrete like extra mucus on the lining to help calm down some of the issues that you might be experiencing. Other people have used things like slippery elm root, aloe vera juice with some success there. But at the end of the day, treat the root cause of the issue. You need to be able to figure out if your stomach acid is high or if it's low. We can help you with that. You can also do the baking soda test. Dasha, do you want to explain the baking soda test? I love this. Oh, yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. We can go into the baking soda test. And then I also wanted to go into um, the actual testing for H. pylori. So... <clears throat> The baking soda test is something that you can do very easily at home. You'll take a fourth of a teaspoon of uh, baking soda in the morning and you'll wait to see how long it takes you to burp. Um, typically, <clears throat> a lot of the internet will tell you that like, I think it's like, they'll give you like a really like small reference range to make you think that you have a problem. Um, you don't like most people won't burp between like five to eight minutes I would say but the internet will tell you that that's really low stomach acid um I think that that's pretty normal once you start getting up to like eight and above I like to think like that's not as normal yeah. um yeah and so with those people then you know yes you have low stomach acid if it takes you a very long time to burp <clears throat> 
if you <coughs> excuse me <laughs> i have something caught in my throat um if <clears throat> if you if you have low stomach acid um you'll it'll take a while to burp if you have high stomach acid that's when you'll burp right away um so that's when you know that you have high stomach acid now when it comes to actually saying all right well let's say i do have low stomach acid but i feel like i have heartburn in that case then we want to check for h pylori now if there's h pylori um there you'll probably get people saying well i just got blood work done or i've got a stool test done or i just got a biopsy done and i don't have h pylori the problem with these tests is that one they're not very sensitive the gi doctor doesn't use a very um great testing i mean it's great obviously it's evidence-based but you have to remember that these people are prescribing you pharmaceutical grade medication to heal whatever issue is going on. So the reference ranges in order and the tests that they are going to run on you are going to be a lot less sensitive because they want to pick up something that is really damaging, right? They want to make sure it's like at that point. Now the GI map is what we use for H. pylori. Um, it is very sensitive, like overly sensitive almost. Um, and at that point, we always like to just be like, all right, well, it's there. But like, are we presenting with symptoms? We always want to start with there. Obviously, we're not treating the test. We're treating the person. So um, with that said, if you got a biopsy done too, so let's say you got a stool test done. Now you understand about the stool test. Now think about the actual biopsy that's being done. Um, at, in your GI, remember that your colon is different than your small intestine and whatever else, wherever else you're trying to get tested. And even your large intestine is the size of a football field. So imagine the doctor going in and plucking one piece of grass out of the football field and then telling you that you do not have H. pylori, okay? That makes no sense. <laughs> so your biopsy, I'm sorry, Yes, it's a great marker, but it's not a telltale, all truths um, kind of diagnosis. That's why I like to use the GI map because, yes, at least it's overly sensitive. But if your symptoms are lining up with this overly sensitive test, then that makes a lot more sense to me. Um, the other thing, too, that I wanted to touch on is that if it's not H. pylori that's driving your low stomach acid, it's a different infection. SIBO suppresses stomach acid all the time, causing burping, gas, indigestion. Um, SIBO also suppresses um, a lot of other nutrient and mineral absorption as a result of this. So a lot of micronutrient deficiencies come up from this, including I've seen SIBO causing rashes, SIBO causing um, skin sensitivities, like feeling like tingling sensations throughout the body. Um, a lot of this is fueling this B vitamin deficiency in, in my brain when I see this presented. So uh, that's where my brain automatically goes is, all right, let's test for SIBO and H. pylori and all these things that could be inhibiting your proper nutrient digestion and absorption. Um, I think we covered a lot of points there. Yes. Anything else you want <laughs> It was very thorough. I like it. <laughs> All right. Well, this might be a question for everyone, too. How do I know if I'm over-exercising, Kyler? Um, well, 
pay attention to your recovery levels. Make sure that you are actually recovering properly from the exercising that you are doing. Uh, muscle soreness, um, exhaustion, even having trouble sleeping at night, like if all those things, your appetite, all that stuff, you just want to make sure that you are properly um, recovering. You're just paying attention to those signs. What do you guys think? Absolutely. I would say even like more than that from like a a mental component of like, you could be like bio pathophysiologically doing like pretty okay. Like lab markers could be all right. Like um, let's say like sleep and digestion are like not amazing, not as good as they could be, but like nothing majorly detrimental from like experience. Like for me, it was, I was like, my mental health was terrible because I was like anxious all the time. And if I missed a workout or something happened that was like messing up with my schedule to do my workout, Mm -hmm. I had a pain. Like, I was like, no, I have to get my workout in. I have to do it. And for me, it was more of like the, I wasn't exercising too much because I wasn't recovering, but because it was affecting my mental health. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Uh, One thing. Mental check of like, oh, okay. Maybe this physically is okay, but like cognitively it's too much. Yeah, totally. You know, what's kind of funny is ever since I uh, started taking people in person again for the last year or so, I've noticed that anytime someone is overtraining or if we've pushed the deficit for too long, their mood just dips so hard at some point and it does not recover until we pull things back. Like it really does. Yep. They're just like in a bad mood for like at least a week straight. And then you're like, okay, we got to pull things back here. <laughs> you know? yeah. So wild. Totally. But- what would you add, Dasha? Uh, digestion, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, digestion's going to suffer. Your um, anxiety levels will be off the charts, just like we mentioned. If you wake up and you're, like, shaking and, like, you're, like, I need to go to the gym, that's, like, to me, SOS, like, you are overtraining and you actually need a chill pill and you need to chill out for, like, a week or so at least to understand what's going on. And then alternatively, the same thing, right? Because too much of everything can be a bad thing. So um, maybe you're the opposite. And maybe you wake up and you're like, I have absolutely no energy, but I'm just going to force myself to go to the gym anyways. So I think you know if you're over-exercising, but your mind plays games on you. And it's like, oh, no, it's not this. It's something else. But in reality, yeah. like you, everyone knows they need a break when they need a break. The body, yeah. just, the mind just tries to prevent you from accepting it. Yeah, totally. It is true. This is a good question. How much added sugar is too much, and do I need to avoid it forever if I have gut issues? Ooh. So, maybe? Okay. So, quantitatively, there's like a, you know, recommendation out there that's like, oh, okay, the American Heart Association has designated that six teaspoons of added sugar is like the magic number. Does that mean that you need to like track your sugar intake every single day and like make sure that you're not going above that six teaspoons? No, not necessarily. That's why like working with a dietitian or a coach can help you figure out like what that balance is. But at the end of the day, like, too much sugar is really a matter of like, okay, how much like added processed simple sugar are you consuming on a daily, on like a daily basis? Are you doing a soda every single day? Are you doing a cake or a pastry from Starbucks every single morning for your breakfast? Are you having a bowl of candy? Like, are you having sugar sweetened cereal for breakfast? Little things like that definitely add up. 
a piece of cake, a donut, uh, a cocktail beverage that has like sugar, sweet and syrup in it is fine every now and then. Our core perform philosophy is that you should be able to enjoy every single food item at some point. We help you find that balance. That being said, if you already like, if you have dysfunction going on, we've done the testing, we've done the diagnostics, we know that your gut balance is all out of whack. We're gonna wanna try to avoid increasing the amount of added sugar that we're eating because it's only going to up dysbiosis more and probably cause more digestive distress so mm -hmm. for a short period of time we might want to be mindful of the amount of added sugar we're eating but once we heal your gut and add in that balance that nutrition balance you should be indicate like we all probably indulge every now and then in like sugary beverages and products and it's fine oh, yes. like love donuts we love waffles we love sugar there's a balance to everything Absolutely. Yeah, and I love the way you phrased it too, because remember that this is added sugar that the question was geared towards. Um, so added sugar, I think the technical recommendations are 10% of your total calories, if that's correct. So um, that's what we go by as well. Um, so we like to keep it at 10% of your total calories coming from added sugar. Obviously, if you can do less, that would be great. Um, but I like sugar, so I will definitely be using that 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 um, that point in my life. Um, and you definitely don't need to avoid it forever when it comes to added sugar. Remember that sugar is broken down through every food that we eat. Um, the body is extremely smart in terms of what it takes in, and it actually will break down everything we eat into glucose because that's the only thing that our body works on um i have even look at you kyler has gotten so many fans in the in the, <laughs> in the live chat right now i think three or four i'm a fan of julian <laughs> yeah seriously this guy's verified <laughs> thanks julian <laughs> i miss you man um so yeah so when it comes to added sugar um definitely don't need to avoid it. But I'm curious on your guys' end, because this is a really good segmenting point that we can really hone in on. What about uh, fruit sugar? Kyler, what's your opinion on that? Fruit sugar? Mm -hmm. And the reason why, by the way, I'm asking about this specifically for you is if you want yeah. to touch upon uh, multiple transportable carbohydrates for training. Oh, gosh. Um, I might leave that one up to you. Uh, for the, <laughs> but what I will say is I have nothing against fruit sugar whatsoever. Um, obviously, like, you can overdo anything, but I mean, it's pretty hard to go overboard with fruit and fructose and stuff like that. I think it's been demonized heavily for not good reason. I think mm -hmm. that there's, there's kind of a nice balance between the fiber in fruit and the fructose in there. Just, I don't know, it just works. So, <laughs> yeah, nothing too uh, strict on that. Yeah. So when it comes to fructose and glucose, um, the reason why I just touched upon that briefly was because um, the way that our body absorbs fructose versus glucose is extremely different. One is yeah. a bit more delayed. So fructose is a bit more delayed because it has to go through the liver um, versus glucose, which is a little bit faster. So a lot of athletes use this strategy um, and there's articles to support the use of both glucose and fructose both pre and post workout because it can prolong the duration of not only glucose fuel for your workout but then glycogen repletion um after your workout yeah. so 
those are two things um, that you can think about as an athlete and as an athlete who specifically deals with the digestive issues, look into different sources of sugar because each of them have different abs absorption rates as well as osmolalities, which can then affect how you feel and how you perform. Um, we have so many clients that come to us being like, I get straight diarrhea, I can't go for a run if I eat right before my run or if I eat right before my exercise because my GI just gets so messed up. If that's you, hone back, look at the sources of your pre-workout fuels and play around with it. We help so many people figure this out because it definitely gets confusing. There's fructose, there's glucose, there's galactose, there's cyclic dextrin. There is so many things that you can look into and the fuel sources that might be better options for you. Yeah. And if you've never worked with a dietitian, this is why you do, just so you know. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like, honestly, I think it's one and done kind of thing with us. Like we try and teach you everything there is for your body at that specific time. And then that's why we work together with you. And so we can get your clients back in the gym, training hard as they can, achieving their goals. And then if they ever need us again, we work with them for a little bit. But yeah. with that said, Let's go back to some training questions. The, I like this question, so I wanted to go into it. I drink bang and rain energy every morning. Is that going to do damage to my gut long-term? I was so curious about this one. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah probably. <laughs> Dasha and I are like... Cringy. As I sip my monster. Yeah, yeah. And there are a few different components into this. So let's break down what exactly an energy drink is, right? First of all, caffeine source. Second of all, carbonated drink. Third of all, artificial sweeteners, right? Those are the three main things I, my mind immediately went to. So one, when it comes to caffeine, caffeine is a stimulant. It will raise your cortisol levels even higher, which is good for performance. Caffeine is not to be demonized. It's shown to improve your athletic strength, but long-term, causes heart issues, causes cortisol imbalances, causes a lot of problems. So long-term caffeine, no, I wouldn't do. And I would cycle off of it, mm -hmm. especially. Um, now, what, now you're wondering, okay, well, Dasha, this, um, it's caffeine. How does it specifically affect my gut? All right. So if you're jacking up your cortisol levels, that means that you are actually suppressing the hormones and the neurotransmitters in your gut that are responsible for motility, immunity, um, mucosal lining, all of these things that are the gut brain access that are being secreted in your gut, you are decreasing with this caffeine addiction. So one of the reasons why we pull caffeine um, also in all of our clients when they first start the protocol to help them lower that inflammation and that high cortisol state. So next we talk about carbonated drinks you're literally swallowing gas bubbles. So yes, that will cause some GI issues, burping, farting, gas in the stomach. Once you swallow the gas, it has to go somewhere. It doesn't just magically disappear, disseminate. Um, then the, the last thing there is artificial sweeteners. So this has been a huge debate over the years. It's still a debate. We're still finding out more and more research. Most of the people who are pro artificial sweeteners and say that it's not that bad, they look at the um, 
they look at mouse models and they say, well, mice are not humans and we can't really extrapolate much of the data there yet. And the people who are anti-artificial um, sweeteners look at those mice studies and they're like, oh my God, these people are all dying or these, these mice are all like so bad after they're drinking what would be equivalent to liters and liters of artificial sweeteners a day, right? It's just astronomical what the differences are. Now, we are also getting to a point in the literature and the research where we're finding that maybe there is some validity to us needing to be concerned about artificial sweeteners. The exact amount, we do not know. However, there are a lot more um, things that we just don't know right now. So when it comes to artificial sweeteners, I honestly like to include it just like I include added sugars. <laughs> like as much as it is, is it better than added sugars? Yes. Is it that much better? No. Um, so if I were to pick one right now, based off of what I understand, I personally recommend any sort of natural monk fruit, uh, stevia. That's why I use those in the protein when I develop them. Those tend to me, in my opinion, are a safer route, long term, that is. Um, now, remember that all these studies too, sucralose, uh, Splenda, etc., we have so much that we don't know because are these people consuming sucralose exactly or are they consuming, is the study being done on diet soda, which includes caramel colors, um, ACE-K, binders, all these things in that specific formulation. So remember how I've talked probably if people have listened to me before about like apples versus apple juice, just like we are talking here about like us testing diet soda, we aren't necessarily testing the one sucralose that's found in diet soda alone when we extract this data. And that's why it is so hard for us to really have any firm conclusion at this point. Um, but I personally like to say, and I think this, this was sparked in a conversation when I was in Boston, when we were at the US Food and Innovation Council meeting and they were presenting data on diet soda and soda and Dean Mazafarian looked at us and he was like, look guys, like, I think we all know is calorie wise, like our obesity epidemic is obesity, right? It's calories. So yes, artificial sweeteners are gonna be our better option because we need to cut calories for a lot of these obese human beings. But the problem isn't necessarily there. It's what are we feeding our kids so that they develop that taste bud? Now we're all hooked on something that's so artificially sweet that when we go and bite into a carrot, that's like not sweet anymore. How can we be doing that to our kids or perhaps to ourselves when we are constantly consuming these artificially sweetened things that now something else that's actually super sweet naturally and has a lot of sugar in it naturally no longer becomes sweet and that's the issue so i think that i love that he kind of rounded that into the whole conversation because a lot of people forget that it's a lot of taste perception and 
just like saltiness and the saltiness of food, we still have that same perception with the sweetness and, and how much we crave of that also. So there's no addiction in that sense, but we do accumulate our taste buds and get accustomed to what we're eating. So totally. yeah, the calories might not be there. It's maybe not be affecting our gut, but how is it affecting our relationship with other foods that will be affecting our gut? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I just rampage. So I'm so <laughs> Hey, you went hard, but it was good information. Yeah. Does anyone else have anything else to say about bang and ring? <laughs> uh, no, no. <laughs> In college, maybe towards like my senior year when I was um, body getting in, really getting into bodybuilding, I was like drinking those things like crazy. Um, and I remember thinking like, oh my God, these are so good. And then I went and had one just uh, just casually, like a couple weeks ago and I tasted it and I was like, ugh. I was like, yeah. this is awful. <laughs> that, happened to me once, taste. <laughs> that happened to me once with a, uh, with a Quest bar. I went back like years oh, like yeah. with a Quest bar and I ate one and I was like, yeah. <laughs> what is this? The erythritol is aggressive. I don't even. When you know. first bite back into they it, they don't even use <laughs> erythritol. They use sucralose. Oh, really? I they think so. Who funny. knows at this point? But anyways, yeah. um, but I hear you, and to, and like I want to be completely transparent too. Like a year ago, and even tomorrow, if you guys put me in at the Arnold Expo and gave me two bangs and four quest bars to survive the entire day. Hell yeah, I'm all going in. Oh, 100%. That's what we do <laughs> at the expo. 100% is part of the experience there. Like, this survive. bachelorette party this weekend, I am flaring, and hell yeah, I'm going to have an energy drink to get through <laughs> this. You know, it just goes back to our moderation conversation. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's a time and place for everything. I think that's I, – I just want to keep it real, like, more than anything, because I hate seeing, like, you know, the, the extremes. There's no good extreme. Yeah. We're not here to do Like, And typically most coaches who act like they're, like, perfect with all of this stuff, they're not. They're secretly eating all that stuff in the background and just not showing it anywhere. Or they have a really poor relationship with food, and it's scary. True. And that's even scarier because a lot of them don't realize it. Yep, and then they end up binging like crazy. At some maybe. point, it just or goes maybe off they, the they just live their lives in this like false reality, and everyone around them is like, living. There's more to life. Yeah, there's more <laughs> to life. Yeah, but anyways, all right. There I, I definitely rambled on for way too long, so I apologize about that. Um, let's just ask one more, one last question. Do you require blood work from all clients? I will start. For myself and we'll go around in a corner really a circle really quickly no absolutely not and i have been in the position where i tried to reach out to a functional doctor and they required labs and i said absolutely no red flag for me adios goodbye <laughs> next person courtney i'll go um my favorite answer it depends we never like absolutely force labs or test on anybody but if you're coming to us with a lot of wonky problems going on and you haven't had labs done in a couple years probably we'll recommend it as like a good place to start um mm -hmm. just to see what's going on see if there's any deficiencies going on anything that we should be aware of signs of inflammation whatever but no we'll never force you to do it um that's why we have our assessment forms that our clients fill out so we can tell you clinically if we recommend it or not exactly 
And I'm in the same boat. I recommend it in particular situations. It's not required by any means. However, actually, I take that back. There's one requirement. If I am Pre managing your bodybuilding drugs, you're oh. getting your blood work done. Okay. But that's yep. it. I accept. Everything else is dependent on the scenario. <laughs> I accept that that as well. I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> you're getting like dosages for any prescription you need to be getting blood work done regularly. I actually just had a family friend who was on like um, heart medication and he lost a ton of weight, which was great for him because he was trying to. And then yeah. he just got violently ill because his medication oh. was dosed at his prior body. Oh, yeah. jeez. Oh, we forget about that stuff sometimes, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, damn, I would like for people like that, that's why I'm like, I wish he had coaching because the second that I heard that he was feeling off, I would have said, go to your doctor and let's get your medication adjusted and get labs tested. 100%. Yeah. All righty. That was it for this week. Thank you guys all for joining. And uh, we'll be back next week. Don't forget to leave us a review if you want to be entered in our monthly giveaway. Free and we'll be, what? Free stuff. Like, yeah. Free Stuff. like free like free a lot of free stuff so be sure lots of ease <laughs> yeah. e go join so anyways um thank you guys all for joining and we'll be back next week bye 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 guys